Bird's Eye View is a member of the Baltimore Sports Report Network. Find more podcasts like this at BaltimoreSportsReport.com. BaltimoreSportsReport.com. Welcome back to Bird's Eye View, eh? When it comes to the podcast about the birds, this is your official source for lack of insight and baseless opinion, eh? Today is the 8th of December, and this is episode 102. I'm Jake English, and I'm here with my simmer moose, Scott Magnus. Hello, Scott. You can find us here at the show at birdseyeviewtoronto.com. You can also get the show on Stitcher, on the iTunes, and those other things like Miro and Double Twist. You can also get us on social media, like the uh, like the book with your face on it, and also the tweeter machine, at Bird's Eye View, eh? Now, Scott, before I go any further and, and get an entire country mad at me, let's uh, let's do the drink of the week, eh? Oh, boy. I thought you would never get to it. Jake, uh, I've decided to go tonight with a classic Canadian whiskey and uh, some Canadian club cola. It's going to be uh, quite a toasty night here at the uh, in the basement, so... Uh, what are you drinking tonight? We're here in the SD Studios. Eh? I brought uh, I brought a Molson. Oh, classic! I tried for the Molson Canadian, but they didn't have it. At the, oh, but the, you the went with the gold. That's, with that's the gold. That's good. That's probably cost you a whole dollar. It's a loony or two. All right, Scott. This is the worst thing we've yeah, ever so done. This might be the, that's that absolutely we, horrible. This is. Oh my god! If anybody is still listening, oh, we should apologize wow. immediately. Yikes! Yeah. All right. So I'm drinking terrible beer from north of the border. You're drinking for a, for a sketch. Yeah. Okay. And I'm drinking Canadian whiskey because it's actually not that bad. It's a real man's drink. Yeah. All right. Before we go any further, then we've we've gotten through the drink of the week. A couple of things we do want to remind you of. Please be sure that you check out our friends at Baltimore Sports Report as they've launched a new project, which they're calling BSR Today. Now, this is a, about a 30 minute daily podcast covering all things Baltimore sports. So far, we've heard them cover the Orioles and the Ravens, but I'm sure that we'll be hearing more about the Terps, the Caps, the Towson Tigers, and, and so much more. Uh, right UMBC now, soccer. Absolutely. Right now, it's our friends Zach Wilt and Jabby Burns from the BSR podcast. Uh, they've been manning the mics and doing a great job. Listen on your way to work. I guarantee you it'll be the most thoughtful sports talk you can hear at that hour. Also, please, it's the holiday season. You're doing some shopping anyway. Please do us a favor. Scroll all the way down at our website at birdseyeviewbaltimore.com. Click on the Amazon banner and do all your shopping that way. It really helps us keep the lights on here so you can hear amazing things like us making fun of Canadians for nearly no reason. And with that, Scott, it's time to dive into this week on the Twitters, the twat. Jake, it was hot takes galore this week on the Twitter. Hot takes. Hot takes. And Jake, uh, one of them has to come from Jeff Long, um, who is you can follow at BSL Jeff Long, and uh, it says of if of the Orioles did in fact trade. I'm assuming it means if the Orioles did in fact trade Bundy, but again, this is just shows how hot things were last week. Hot takes uh, and others for Kemp. I might quit writing about baseball. Jeff, don't do that. Don't do that. 
And so those six people that what you know read your column and you know I'm one of them, I would be greatly disappointed for you to stop. Okay, so keep doing what you're doing, Jeff. All right. Now we always say that we we uh, our show is listened to people in their mother's basements as well as those in prison. This is a perfect segue for that because a great tweet from our friends at Suspetus Barbecue. That's at Suspetus BBQ. Tweets as follows: With Nelson Cruz heading to Seattle, one has to wonder if Baltimore will give Adnan Syed more playing time at DH and in left field. Bravo. Bravo. All right, what's next? Um, next up, um, this was a comment regarding uh, Nick Marcakis leaving. We actually posted on Twitter saying, this Nick Marcakis watch is exhausting. Objectively, I'd be okay with him moving on. Emotionally, I want him back. Can we just skip to April? One of our followers for the podcast on the, the Twitter, Wes Smiley, posted... I look at his stats and go, meh, they could survive without him, no problem. Then I hug myself in my number 21 jersey and cry. Yeah, that's pretty true. Yeah. Wow. You know, when I when I hear that, I, I just imagine you in that picture curled up in the fetal position on the floor after the after the uh, signing became official. You mean the one I'm currently in right now, speaking out to the microphone? That's the one. Okay. That's the one. All right, next we have David, David Cameron, of course, from Fangraphs, not from uh, that, that British... Uh, uh, position of power. Does this uh, mean that we need to start speaking with British accents? No, okay. no, absolutely not. <laughs> I've made that mistake once in this podcast. It's not happening to go for, uh, happening again. Quite for the, <laughs> for this episode. Uh, at the Cameron FG uh, tweets theories that would explain Nick Marcakis bidding war. One, he actually has the cure for cancer. Two, see number one. <sighs> Ouch! That's, I think that's a burn. That's a hot take. Um, continuing on. Matt Taylor, who is the author at Roar from 34 blog, which we highly recommend everyone going and reading because, again, it's actually something that would give you some bit of hope this offseason. Matt had to and say... it's just great writing. It is great writing. Uh, so, Matt, keep up the good work. Matt writes, had the Orioles not signed J.J. Hardy when they did, he's probably on the departure list with Cruz and Marquecas right now. That's a good way to put things in perspective. And, and it really is. Not only would he probably be gone, He'd probably be gone to a place we wouldn't want him to go. Who who do you know that needs a shortstop right now? Hmm. Or recently. Well, that recently, I mean, it was the Yankees, but they yeah. got King Didi, so. They they also got him for what I would consider to be a great price, especially when you consider what the market is now. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Hardy would have made a king's ransom. And when, when that contract came out, I think everyone was just like, that's a good contract for both sides. Yep, absolutely. All right, next we've got Zach Britton, the closer for the Baltimore Orioles, who tweets at Z Britton. You can see a, a picture of him uh, screaming next to a picture of his child screaming. Um, and he basically... I think he's actually giving the O face. He basically tweeted... I'm going to ignore that. <laughs> he's saying what we're all thinking when that Nick Marcakis thing happened, and it, it's as follows. Say it ain't so. I don't want to go. Turn the lights off. Carry me home. Wow. Please move on. Okay. Um, finalizing up the week on the Twitter, um, Romeo, who we all know is a super fan, at Romeo Baltimore, is currently up for the Fan Hall of Fame on ESPN. And while I do not recommend people often go to ESPN, this is an individual that deserves to be in any Fan Hall of Fame. So everyone... Follow Romeo Baltimore. We'll have links posted in the Twitter as well. But go and vote for him. Get him into the Hall of Fame. He's a finalist right now. We'd like to see him in the Hall of Fame as one of the greatest super fans in all of Baltimore. And the thing is, if you've ever sat in a section with Romeo, you'll know that it's it's a genuine love for the ballpark experience. It's a general love for the Orioles that this guy exudes. I, I sat in a section a couple times without really knowing who he was. This was a couple of years ago. 
and and you could just tell this you know this guy got it and the more i learned about him the more i realized that this is somebody who should be recognized for you know the the amount of love he's got for the club and the amount that he really wants to get other people to uh to support the Orioles well with that Jake i think we've beat around the bush enough regarding the twitter uh let's go into the big topic that came out and broke on sunday during the ravens game let's talk about mr dan duquette Yes, Jake, uh, reports came in on Sunday that Dan Duquette may be jumping ship to take another job with an American least opponent. And of course, we're talking about the Canadian. We're talking about the Toronto Blue Jays. Um, no, that's not what one would expect coming into the offseason. But let's stop. Let's take a break. Here at Bird's Eye View, we're all about putting things in perspective. Hot takes. Hot takes. Um, so let's look at what has happened during this time. And let's look at what's happening moving forward. So here's what we know at this time. The Toronto Blue Jays may be prepared to replace CEO Paul Beeston before the 2015 season. May is a key word there. He hasn't said that he's not coming back. It may come back. And there are some reports that they're going to keep him for an extra year. That is correct. Um, next one, Dan Duquette has rumored to be one of the candidates up for the job, in addition to Ken Williams of the Chicago White Sox, who also has been told pretty much, you're not leaving. So, you know, the Orioles are not in the only position here, basically selling their guys that they want to keep. Yeah, you're not leaving. Uh, Dan Duquette is currently under contract until the 2018 season, which is the big Skullabulu and on Twitter saying, how can he leave? How can he leave? He's under contract. But the issue is this would constitute a promotion. The contractual obligations mean the Orioles could block the move or basically not give the Toronto Blue Jays permission to come and interview him if they wanted to. It's not common practice within the industry, but the Orioles are well within their right to say, no, you're not allowed to talk to our guy. And Peter Lanchos has come out publicly to say to the team, uh, say the team will not let Duquette out of his contract or allow the Blue Jays to talk to him at this time. Um, Duquette said he's aware of the rumors, would not address them directly, and in several interviews with MLB Network and, and other parties, he said that he's in San Diego representing the Orioles and only the Orioles. Yeah, I'm, I'm really glad that there was a day between when all this came out and when we sat down to record this, because I've gone through several cycles of emotions, and and I think that we should start there just as you did. Again, you're the, the level-headed one among us to lay out. These are the facts. Look. There, there may be an opening. There may be not. Duquette is one of the names involved. And that is, uh, that is for sure. However, he is right now the GM of the Baltimore Orioles, and those are the facts as we have them right now. Now, moving forward from that, the rest of this discussion is is a lot of speculation, right? Because that's all we can do from here on. That's, after that's those the, facts, that's the off season. I mean, it's complete speculation. <laughs> all right. So, knowing that these are only rumors, you know, let's let's note that none of this is considered eminent or likely. But but let's go through the options here. Okay, the Orioles can really do three things, and, and stop me if I if I miss one. Okay, not that I do that. The or, the Orioles can let him go. The Orioles can let him go and do his thing in in Toronto because that will constitute a 
a advancement in responsibility. Not only will he have uh, responsibility over baseball operations with a GM under him, but it'll also be the business operations side. It'll be marketing and stuff like that. Yeah, exactly. It, it'll basically be a John Angelos type position. That's the closest that the Orioles have to a position like that. Yeah. Um, they they can maybe get some compensation in that. You know, it'll just be a prospect or two, nothing high level. Like a Chad Bradford player to be named later. Right. It, it'll be a it'll be <laughs> or, a pat on, or cash. It'll be a pat on the back, and that's as politely as I can say yes. that. So that's one option. The second option is that they can force uh, Dan Duquette to honor his contract. You know, they they brought him out of the wilderness, so to speak, after ten years of being out of out of uh, baseball, eating tuna sandwiches at Jimmy John's. <laughs> Now, I, I say, you know, he was wandering the desert, but uh, that is not a reference to him starting a baseball camp in Israel. That is that is unrelated. No. But so they gave him this it's opportunity. It's tropical zone there, I mean. <laughs> they brought, gave him this opportunity. They brought him back. The Orioles won, and they invested in him. That six-year contract kept him in tandem with Buck Showalter. They can, they can keep him and make him, you know, stay. The third option, I find this less likely, but it's an option, is that they can kind of counter promote Dan Duquette within the organization. Now, remember, Andy McPhail was the president of baseball operations. They could certainly give uh, give Dan Duquette some sort of nominal promotion, give him some more money, make him a little more appreciated, make him a little more happy. Everybody uh, everybody wins. F- from my standpoint, those are the three things that I, I can see. Did, did I miss any scenario there? No, I think that's about it. That's all the Orioles can do. Sure. Okay. All right. So so those are the, the speculative ways that we can go here. All right. If they let him go, there's a couple things that the Orioles can do. Um, first, they can leave it to Buck Showalter and some sort of subservient GM that will work, you know, kind of for Buck either in the interim before they find a, a solid replacement or, you know, for a short time basis, you know, an interim basis until they figure out what they're going to do. Um I feel like you find this to be a pretty a, a much more likely scenario. So I want to let you talk to that. Do you think that, that could work? Mm, I'm not sure if it can work, but I think that's something that the Orioles would do to start off the bat. I mean, let's take a look at what Dan Duquette when he was hired. Buck Walter was critical in that whole aspect of going out there and basically handpicking a GM. So I think they would go back to Buck and be like, "Well, we lost our GM. It's up to you now to right the ship until we can find somebody else to take that mantle." So I think they would put Buck into that position for maybe the offseason and then say, we want to open up a search committee and find someone that can handle their responsibilities by the beginning of the 2015 season. But that's certainly not the time or place right now. So if Duquette were to walk away, I think Buck would be named as temporary GM, basically. Yeah. And, and it's important to realize that during the period between Andy McPhail and Dan Duquette, you know, Buck Schalter was instrumental in bringing uh, Darren O'Day into the organization. Mm-hmm. So it's clear that he's a draw. It's clear that he has an eye for talent. But at the same time, I think it's I think it's false for us to think, oh, well, you know, Dan, uh, Buck Schalter will just handle it. He'll take care of both jobs and he'll do both well. That's a very dangerous thing. To, to just assume. How dare you, sir? How dare you question <laughs> the godlike abilities of Buck Showalter? I like that guy. I like that guy. All right, so that's one option, letting uh, Buck Showalter kind of run the show until they can figure something else out. The other option is to promote from within, but I'm not really sure they have any candidates inside the organization that can handle that kind of responsibility. I mean, the other person that's below Duquette is 
Brady Anderson. Do you really see Brady Anderson as a GM? Absolutely not. I mean, you got Brady Anderson, you got Trip Norton. None of those guys can can no, stand if, the big. If shoes. I'm thinking Brady, I'm thinking you know underwear contest, or I'm thinking you know running you know sprints against bloggers at the winter meetings and kicking their butts. I know that you are thinking about underwear, but that's a different conversation. Yes, so it we, is. we don't find that likely. The third option, of course, is to hire a replacement. But here's the thing: since Dan Duquette has come into the organization and the Orioles have seen some success, I would think that it's going to be a little easier for the Orioles to hire a suitable replacement than it was, you know, four years ago. Yeah, but it's still going to take time and it's still going to require someone to be able to come in and see that I'm going to have to work with Peter Angelos. And I understand that people don't want bum, bum, bum. And I'm not going to put that, you know, Nestor Aparicio spin on it, but I am serious about this. You've got an 85 year old, old, owner there that has been known to dabble and you've got this power struggle that may occur once he passes away with his son uh, and i'm not saying you know these things are happening but these are things that in the back of the mind people are going to say eh, what's really going on you know you, you mentioned the word power struggle and another thing that i i think that we need to think about is uh buck showalter mm-hmm. you know he has worn out his welcome in three organizations that have then gone on to succeed without him to the the greatest levels either an appearance or winning a world series and we've been so lucky here in Baltimore because we haven't seen that side of him. You know, he hasn't graded on people. His uh, obsessive micromanagement hasn't hasn't rubbed people the wrong way. And I'd like to think that's because he's he's done being that guy. But come to think uh, about the the guy that would come into that position, not only do they have to deal with Peter Angelos, who's overbearing, you have to kind of deal with it in the other direction, where you've got the manager who's going to be more or less serving under you who is a powerful guy within the organization, who is very abrasive. And, you know, that that just might not be the best situation for everybody. Right. And it might be also one of the reasons why Duquette is looking at other options as well and saying, you know, Buck is a genius and I enjoy working with him. But at the same point, um, this is a great opportunity for me and it's a good opportunity for me to make a name just for, for myself as well. But I do think that Duquette has a remarkable, um, great working experience with Buck Showalter and, you know, wants to keep doing it. But... It's like Jim Duquette said, these opportunities rarely come up. And if you're offered it or even your name is mentioned, you've got to at least hear it out. All right. So, uh, again, total speculation there, but we it's something we've got to talk about. Let's talk about the things that we know are probably happening and the things that we know are probably not happening. As far as the things that probably are happening, look, just as you said, this is a great opportunity. It's more money. It's more responsibility. It's it's the kind of job that baseball executives dream of. So I'll and, bet. And it's not an opportunity that comes up very often. This yes. is not something that comes up every offseason. It's like, oh, someone's going to become the new CEO of this team. This is a very rare situation when this, this comes up. There are only 30 clubs and not of them, not all of them have a position like this. Right. And not all of them you know, empty out every once in a while. So yeah, he's probably exploring this amazing opportunity, even if it's just a mental exercise, right? right. Because a lot of times in baseball, it's not about uh, the interview is not about the job you're trying to get, but it's about the next interview, right? right. Yeah. Uh, next point is the Orioles are evaluating right now how valuable Duquette's services are to them. Um, and this comes back to what is Duquette's role going to be within this organization? Uh, I think the Orioles are very happy with Duquette's work, um, but I don't think the Orioles are looking to expand on more what he is doing. And I'm really, it's also a question of, does Duquette want to do more within the Orioles organization at this time, or is he happy doing what he is? I mean, the guy just had a kid last year. I mean, does he really want more responsibility within the Orioles organization? And the other thing, if you're the Orioles, you know, if Duquette wants to go off and do this great thing that's great for him and his family, you know, God bless him, maybe you can 
be confident about the fact that you can get another suitable candidate, you can get another G, good GM in, and maybe you can get some compensation out of the deal. Maybe it's the type of thing where the, the Orioles say to themselves, look, this is good for Dan. It can be good for us too. Right. And again, you also have Dan Duquette, who is a Montreal native and was one of the founders of the 1994 Expos as well and was a trademark you know, fingerprint on that organization. Even though the organization is currently in Washington, got to hate you, Josh, and your team. Womp womp. <laughs> Um, and you know, the other thing that I wanted to mention was Duquette's ability to possibly spin the attention to his advantage in negotiating deals. Um, he could definitely be a dark horse candidate and be like, how oh, the Orioles aren't going to do anything. Duquette's still in this myriad of, you know, not figuring out what's going on. And then all of a sudden swoop in there and be that mystery team at, 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 during the winter meetings, perhaps. Hey, every minute of media attention that is spent on Dan Duquette and whether or not he's going to Toronto is as a, a minute more of media time he doesn't have to answer. So what are you doing in right field? Who are you talking to? What are the teams that you're targeting? What free agents are you talking to? And that's the way Dan Duquette likes it. Yep. Subterfuge. All right. So those are the things that we think are probably happening. What are the things that, Scotty, we don't think are happening? Well, I don't think Duquette is too distracted by these events to properly do his job. I know a lot of people are saying, oh, you know, maybe that's why he let Cruz and Marquecas go. No. There is no way... This guy is a consummate professional, and you know if you think that someone is in that tight-knit of a group of people in that kind of business and is throwing people under the bus, that ain't happened because as soon as that got out, the Blue Jays would never trust him to be president of that organization. I'm yeah. sorry, folks. Put the conspiracy theories away. Duquette is still making moves for the team until he signs a contract with the Blue Jays, and he has not done so. Yeah, and if you like the moves or you were in support of the moves of, of letting both those guys walk away before you heard about the Blue Jays' opportunity, that shouldn't change your mind. Nope. And, and I think you're spot on. Not only is it not a distraction, but I do not believe that there's any chance in the world that Duquette's loyalties are conflicted in any way, shape, or form. And I do think that he's being straight up with us when he says that he's there to serve the Baltimore Orioles well when he's there at the winter meetings. And, Scott, I think that's the perfect uh, segue. The winter meetings are taking place in San Diego. Let's chat about it. There's going to be a meeting. Meeting. Oh, yeah, there's going to be a meeting, everybody. Um, so the winter meetings are occurring. This you could only see the dancing that just oh, took there place was, in there, there, there are some booty wiggling in here. but uh, We are so white. Yes, we are so white. Um, but again, winter meetings, San Diego, beautiful weather out there. Um, and Orioles have several publicized needs out there. Um, they're looking for two outfield spots, probably an outfield slash DH spot as one of them. Dan Duquette came out today and said that he was looking for a left-handed outfielder slash DH, which again makes sense because the Orioles have been really lacking in terms of a left-handed hitter for a while now. And, and that's got to make both Lowe and Diaz feel like crap. Well, no, I disagree because you still have that aspect of, you know, Lowe is, is going to play as a left as a left-hander. But again, Lowe can't be the only left-handed hitter on this team. I mean, you lost Morcakis, so he was a left-hander. So you want to get another left-hander on this team. Fair enough. All right, so that that's what he's looking for. 
I feel like we beat to death the options to replace Marquecas and Cruz in our in our uh, Bird's Eye View Extra Innings episode, which if you missed, go back and check it. We, we had a conversation, I think it was last Thursday. But real briefly, Scotty, what are our options for the, those spots? Okay, we covered this. Norioki was one of them. Um, you know, we've talked about this before. Zach Wilt has talked about it on BaltimoreSportsReport.com. But the Orioles have limited interest. Is it smoke and mirrors? Time will tell. Um, I think he'd be a, a very good addition. I think a lot of people agree that he'd be a very good one or two year addition and allow some of the minor league de- talent to develop. We also talked about Colby Rasmus possibility being an option because he wouldn't require a draft pick composition. Um, you know, Jake, you were really fond about this and really weren't paying attention to it, but this seems to be something the Orioles may be interested in doing. Um, and it's an interesting player with high upside, I think. Yeah. I, Which I gotta, is exactly who the Orioles normally go after. I got to be honest. I think for me, it's Aoki. I would prefer having having him, again, short short commitment, lower risk in my, in my uh, standpoint. I, I think he's more even keel. You know what you're going to get as far as Colby Rasmus might have a better upside. But I, I just don't want to deal with the risk. Sure. And then, of course, Delman Young is still being discussed. Not out of the question. I think he comes back. To be honest with you, if he can, if he can drop that second year because he doesn't get it anywhere else, I take him in a heartbeat. If Delman Young signs with somebody else, I guarantee I know who they're going to sign. Oh God, go ahead, Nolan Reimold. You know, I, it would not surprise me to see Nolan Reimold come back in a minor league deal with a spring no, training. No, no, no. He'll, get a, he'll get a major league deal. Oh, you're so funny. <laughs> I can't tell if I'm more mad at you for saying it or more mad at the Orioles that I think they might do it. Yeah. I can't tell. <laughs> the other thing the Orioles have been saying that they've been going after is a backup catcher. Actually, they just said a catcher in general, not even a backup catcher. Yeah, why? I mean, are they unhappy with Caleb Joseph and Steve Clevenger? Or? Well, I can tell you right now they're unhappy with Steve Clevenger. Because if they were not unhappy with Steve Clevenger, they'd say, well, we can use Steve Clevenger maybe as a left-handed bat since he's a left-handed hitter mm-hmm. and basically say, oh, he'll be a backup catcher slash a left-handed DH while we continue to explore the market. Um, Steve Clevenger obviously doesn't have the defensive uh, attributes that Buck Walter is looking for. So they've got Matt Wieters and Caleb Joseph. I'm sure they're concerned about Matt Wieters' progression. Um, everyone's saying that he'll probably be back by opening day, but that doesn't sound like a resounding endorsement. When when the Orioles say, yeah, we're pretty sure he'll be there for opening day, that makes me think June. Well, May is what I was thinking because <laughs> I was thinking Manny Machado from last year. Yeah, right. Um, so I think I think there's really a good chance actually to bring back Nick Hudley. I think I would like that. I think that makes perfect sense um, as a backup role um, and just keep Nick Hudley and Cleo Joseph. The quick, big question for that is once Matt Wieters is ready to come back, what do you do with Nick Hundley or Caleb Joseph? Um, yes. Okay. <laughs> you, I, I, fig, I figure you you burn that bridge when you cross it, right? You you worry about that problem when it's a problem. Right now, Dan Duquette probably wants to st- stack the organization with as much talent, the best talent that he can. And if you have too much at one point, that's a good problem to have. Because, you know, maybe he can swing a trade for, you know, a leftover Nick Hundley in, in May or June for, you know, some minor league pitcher who maybe turns into nothing and maybe turns into something. I, I think that's the way you do it if you run a ball club. Caleb Joseph also has three options remaining, so technically they could designate him back to Norfolk if they ne- needed to do so. Absolutely. And let's not pretend that we're going to get the Caleb Joseph that hit five home runs in five consecutive uh, games or no. whatever it was. We're going to get a guy who's going to grow, and hopefully he can continue to grow and not uh, and not wilt against the book that's now out on him. Sure. Um, the other thing that they're looking for, of course, is bullpen help. And this makes sense. You can't have too many good arms back there. And I know that people have been asking um, regarding names that people have been putting out saying, oh, is this a possible replacement for Andrew Miller? People, there is no replacement on the market for Andrew Miller. I'm sorry. 
You're going to have to get over it. Andrew Miller got paid big money because he is a really, really, really good reliever. And there is no one, and I mean no one, like him who has the track record that he has over the past three years. I'm sorry. That's on the free agent market. Get over it. You're not finding a replacement for him. I I think you're so right, but I, I think you were even more right when you said you can't have too many good bullpen arms. Look, it's no surprise that Dan Duquette and the 29 other guys are out there looking under every rock to find somebody that can fit into a seven-man bullpen that can give you length, that can give you power, that can give you lefties, righties, whatever it is. Everybody needs an improvement to bullpen. The one person's name that came up during uh, Monday was Craig Breslow, who's a left-handed pitcher from Boston. Um, I can tell you right now, looking at his numbers and looking at his pitch arsenal, uh-uh, no, no thanks. I'd rather take Brian Mattis. Here's the other thing. Look, Andrew Miller may have been able to wash the taint of having been a Boston Red Sox uh, off of him for me, but it takes a special kind of guy to wash that off you. I'm not sure I'm going to just take their sloppy seconds and like it. Okay, I agree with you, but Craig Breslow is, doesn't do anything interesting for me, and for the Orioles media to kind of play it up a little bit more, um, I, I would be constantly being like, no, we don't want Craig Breslow. This, this is what they keep saying. Every time they ask about him, Dan Duquette smiles, and they know yeah. that he, he his poker face sucks. Which, by the way, if you're a GM and your poker face sucks, are you listening to Ronto? His poker face sucks. No, 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 no. I mean, he's just playing along. But, okay, and let's talk about starters, too. Um, the Orioles have too many. Perhaps they can jettison one in a deal, but Dan Duquette even came out today and said, oh, we're not trading it away a starter, which is weird because you obviously have to trade away a starter, so why are you playing up this aspect of, oh, we're not going to trade up a starter? It just seems like a shallow attempt. Yeah. Here's here's something that, and I'd love to get your thoughts on this because I'm not sure we've talked about this on the show before, but you and I have said time and time again, it's going to be uh, Gonzalez or it's going to be Bundy. You know, we'd rather part with Gonzalez because we No, think, no, no. I didn't say Bundy. Uh, not Bundy. I'm sorry. Uh, Norris. Norris, yeah. It's going to be Gonzalez or it's going to be uh, Norris. Yeah, we'd rather part with Gonzalez because Norris we think is a really talented guy. I, I, I think that's the exact opposite. I think I've said I want to get rid of Norris, but I want to keep Gonzalez because of the three years of club control we have. Okay. So you and I differ on that point. Yeah. But I've been hearing uh, uh, lately that there's a lot of interest in the market for Wei Yin Chen. Oh, you should have a lot of interest in Wei Yin Chen. He's cheap as heck, and he pitches his his uh, independent pitching metrics are probably the best on the team, even compared to like a Chris Tillman or even a Kevin Gossman. Wei Yin Chen's a really good pitcher in terms of looking at it from like a FIP or a fielding independent pitching statistics standpoint. I get that. Do you think, though, that he has a lot of trade value in the fact that this is the last year of his contract? Oh, I think he's got a lot of trade value because he's only going to be paid $4 million. So for a team that doesn't want to spend a lot of money, he's well worth a prospect. Um, So I don't think he's worth a first-round draft pick or anything like that, but I think he's well worth, you know, know, a B or C-level prospect. So... I, you know, this surprised me when I read it I, because I hadn't thought about it. I really thought of, of Chen as being not untouchable. That's a stupid term for a guy like Chen, but not in the plans for being traded. But the more I think about it, I, and, and your argument is exactly right, do you think that Chen is therefore more likely to be traded than the, either of the other two we were thinking previously? No, I don't. I think that the Orioles have a extreme value for Chen and can see that how much of a value he is for this team. And not to mention, I think that the Orioles feel that they gave Chen the opportunity to come into the major leagues, and I think they are feel also that they can work out a very club-friendly deal come next year to retain his services as well. Well, from your lips to God's ears, last question for you on the starting pitcher thing. Do you think it's likely that the Orioles will acquire a starter, or do you think that they're going to go with the guys that we have 
in the club right now. We just talked about this. They have six starters. Why would they go out and get another starter? Well, one, we've got the flexibility to send Gosman down to the minors, right? So the six is not one one more. The six is not really a problem. Okay. But let's come back to this. But beyond that, if you deal a starter, yeah. You can get something else of value. Maybe you fill in one of those holes in in the outfield that you deal with. And you pick up another guy. Maybe maybe Duquette feels like that makes the club stronger. That's fine. Gosman should not be going to the minors. He's not going to learn anything from it. Oh, I I hear you. I'm just saying he's the only one that's under club control. Yeah, I just don't see the Orioles needing to put the money down for a pitcher like a Scherzer or a Lester at this time. Um, that's absolutely ridiculous. And no. that's the only thing that's going to make the Orioles better is to go out there and drop the money on that. But if they do so, they're looking to win right now. And the moves that they have made to this point do not indicate that this is a team that wants to win right now. They're a team that's doing just like they should for a mid-market team. They are you know, spending wisely and just kind of playing or anything, but they're not doing what you know, like Seattle's doing, what they're just saying put it on red and we're going to let it ride and just let it, let's see what happens. So the Orioles are being prudent. They're not going to go after one of those top of the rotation players. They're going to go with who they have and hope for the best. And, and this is exactly why a team like the Toronto Blue Jays is interested in Dan Duquette, because with the financial limitations that the Orioles have, Dan Duquette has not only wrangled an increased, uh, payroll out of the the pry of peter angelos every year but he's also found the diamonds in the rough he's found the market inefficiencies he's had the ability to build the team around a strong nucleus and really talented secondary guys and hey it's not sexy it's not fun during the winter meetings when everybody else is getting shiny toys but damn it it's worked for three years and i think if we just give dan duquette and the rest of the orioles regime some time it might just work again. I think if we get Buck Showalter a little bit more time, everything's going to work out okay. Oh, I see what you did there. Yeah. All right, Jake. I think it's time we uh, close out this podcast and we go ahead and start blowing the save. So, Jake, I'm going to let you go ahead and take it this week. All right. I hate to disappoint you. This is going to be a play in two acts. Okay. Act one. I want to talk a little bit about the noise that surrounded the Baseball Hall of Fame voting as Buster only threw down the gauntlet and announced his, he's boycotting the vote because of deficiencies in the system. Uh, more writers are beginning to follow, including a prominent writer from Detroit. The system is clearly broken, uh, more more broken than Washington, it would, seem, it would seem. But my question is, are they accomplishing anything with this boycott? No, they're absolutely not accomplishing one thing whatsoever because – I understand where the biggest argument that they're making is the Hall has limited Hall of Fame voting to only 10 players. And Jake, we sat down before our podcast and I was going through the names that were on the Hall of Fame ballot this year. And I came across like 16 players that I'd be like, these are people I would vote for in the Hall of Fame. Uh, And those include people like Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens and stuff like that. Because in all honesty, um, you look at video games now that are being played and you're just like, eh. And you look at games for like back in the 1990s and you're just like, yeah, I like to hit some dingers. I mean, those were fun times to play, and I realize that they've got that taint of the steroid area. But again, we're going to come back to like the Dead Bowl era and stuff like that. There are people in the Hall of Fame that have done absolutely horrible things, and I have no issue with putting them into the Hall of Fame because they tell the story of what baseball was during that generation. Um, and I feel like baseball has never, in the way that it is now, shied away from its ugly history. Right. But again, let's no, not go down that topic because that could 
drive us off into blowing the save into epic proportions. So so follow up there. How do you fix Hall of Fame voting? Well, you expand out the aspect of not limiting to, to 10 votes. And the reason why that's important is, like Buster only posted in his article, if you limit to 10 votes and I, for example, say, oh, I wasn't able to include Tim Raines and I wasn't able to include Roger Clemens on my ballot, um, well, that drops that percentage down from 75%, so they're no longer getting that 75%. So it's this constant battle of finding the correct mix of 10 people that you voted for that will be above the 75%, which is very difficult to do so. Whereas if you were just based, basing it off of merit and saying all these players deserve it, then it's a lot easier to get that 75%. Um, and then, again, you have the whole issue with people that are not going to vote for a certain decade. You've got people that are going to say, oh, that's their first time on the ballot. I can't vote for them because Babe Ruth didn't get in it. There are certain people that do not deserve a Hall of Fame ballot um, because, honestly, they haven't been watching baseball for, oh, I don't know, the past 30 years. Um, but again, totally different topic. The first thing that baseball needs to do, and it would be a very simple fix, is eliminate this whole rule of 10, allow it, you to vote for as many people as you want, and just go from there. I agree with you wholeheartedly. Last thing in the first act here of Blowing the Save, question to you is this. Who is the next Orioles Hall of Famer? Mike Mussina. Okay, that's a good answer. Anybody on the current roster that you think he's, has even the, the sniff's chance of, of making it? No. I agree with you. <laughs> Mike Mussina is your next Orioles Hall of Famer and will probably be the last Orioles Hall of Famer for quite a while. For quite a while. So go Moose. I'm with you on that. Moose. A summer moose. All right. Here we go. Act two of Blowing the Save. Yesterday, as you know, is a day that will live in infamy. Another infamous uh, day in history is actually today, December 8th. And if you listen to this program at all, you know that uh, my somewhat awkward infatuation with the Beatles uh, is, is a real thing. December 8th, of course, is the day 34 years ago that John Lennon was shot. And Scotty, if I had, if I had just one day with a time machine, all right? Real consideration would be to go back to the Dakota that day in 1980 and and stop the killing of John Lennon because of the impact culturally that he, as a, a musical genius, for all his failings as a person, had on the world. It's a big loss to to humanity, the, the death of John Lennon. So there you go, folks. Jake would go back and save John Lennon as opposed to going and shooting Hitler or stopping Jeffrey Mayer from going to the Yankees game during ALCS game number one in 1996. Uh, John Lennon would have had that seat because uh, he was a big big New York guy. Gotcha. So he would be the one that jumped over the fence and caught the ball. He would never do that. That's true. He can't catch baseballs. So with that, Jake, it's time to close out this week. Jake, go ahead. Baltimore and beyond, I bid you a fond adieu adieu. Good night, Baltimore. Be safe and uh, calm down. It's just the winter meetings. That adieu adieu is not French Canadian, right? Adieu adieu. More sad. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go.